Hey everyone, it's Monday, so we've got another episode of the Road to Revenue series. We took over the Breakfast of Champions Millionaire Breakfast Club on Clubhouse, and we did our live Q&A, that's right, BYOQ, you bring the questions, I brought the answers coaching sessions. We covered getting paid for the introductions that you make, and I gave my number one piece of advice. Tweet me at David Meltzer, your favorite takeaway from today's episode, and check the show notes to see how you can text me or email me at any time. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Friday Training. Let's get these questions going. Jakey Bakey will be running these questions. <laughs> All right, Jake, let's get the questions rolling. Let's make this happen. Let's get them going, Dave. All right, here we go. The first question we've got from uh, the online trainings from Dustin. The question is, what's one lesson that keeps reoccurring in your life that you learn from? Oh, my God, it has to be the need to be offended. I can't tell you. I always say if the need to be offended uh, it could be paralleled to the need to be fed food, everybody would be fat on earth because you can literally, if you have the need to be offended, you can walk outside and you can utilize any experience that you see and be offended by it. And offense, this need to be offended creates so much interference between you and what you want or you and what you already are. And so much time, energy, emotion, and relationships are wasted, ruined because we have a need to be offended. And we don't even realize that we tend to create the attention and intention into offense instead of into collaboration, love, light, and trying to seek the best in people to forgive the interference. If you could replace forgiveness with the need to be offended, I will tell you that exponentially you will be twice as productive in a very short amount of time because you will have lessened the interference between you and the connectivity that you have with the greatest source of power, light and love and everybody else. And, you know, I have taken the same circumstance in my own life and dropped and forgave the need to be offended. And all of a sudden things just seem to be better. And all of a sudden the coincidences that I want were created. So the greatest lesson that keeps reoccurring in my life, something that I pursue is to be able to spend minutes and moments in being offended instead of days, weeks, months, and years, which has created, you know, like I said, and ruined relationships with not just people I don't know, but even worse, like the closest people in my life. I've ruined relationships with because I have this idiotic, self-sabotaging need to be offended. Amazing. Thank you for that, Dave. Uh, appreciate it. That's the first question we got on the online training. And then let's go with our first question here on Clubhouse. So Mike Mamola, if you can please unmute yourself and ask your question. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Dave, Mike, I think I'm right here to your left on Clubhouse. Uh, I had the incredible fortune to attend breakfast with champions in person in new york city yesterday so i just wanted to make a public uh congratulations to glenn and the entire team absolutely incredible and dave you were mentioned often there and the lessons that you've instilled on all of us so thank you dave one of your fundamental lessons which is to ask for help and the key right to to succeeding is to ask not only the right questions but the right people for help and that's why and I heard something yesterday at the Breakfast with Champions. I wish I remember exactly who said it so I could credit her. But she said, your mess is your message. And, you know, that's what with his story, his background, 
more specifically with you, Dave, um, you know, making a hundred million dollars, losing it, making it back and being ultra successful, you know, embracing that mess. So my question to you is when you want to ask somebody for help, how do you make that mess your message? How do you come up with the, the courage to not only accept what your message, accept what your faults were, and then reveal to people so you can get the help you need. Right. And I think using the five daily practices, when you know what you want personally, experientially giving, receiving wise, the next step is know your who, not only who you can be of service or value to and articulating that value to exceed what you're asking for, but more importantly, who can help me and determine one who can help me is determined by who sits in that situation that I want to be in, who already is where I want to be, who already has the answers to the questions that will get me to what I want. And when we find that person, then all we need to do is to create and articulate the value in which we are asking for to exceed that, that point. And so the biggest problem, Mike, is that most people don't know their what. They're so stuck on their why, and they don't understand that why is something you apply. It's not something that you find, right? Why is something, the why comes through you with appreciation, gratitude, forgiveness, accountability. Your why is something that you apply to what you do. You have to have the desire that you must be what you can be. So you can be consistent every day, persistent without quit in pursuing your own potential. Not what other people want, not what other things are missing in your life, not what you don't want, but what you want. And if you learn to know your what, your who, you'll know the how by utilizing the lenses of productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, understanding activity you get paid for, activity you don't get paid for, planned activity, unplanned activity, sleep, and then prioritizing those by knowing your now, by utilizing the what, the who, and the how to determine what's most important to you and applying your why. So when I have my what in the day, and my first prayer, everyone, and I hope more people adopt the first prayer that I say in the day, which is may God put at least 10 people in front of me that I can help. And the second prayer is may God put at least 10 people in front of me that can help me. And that was a recent addition because I never felt worthy of receiving help or asking for help. I didn't feel worthy about how big I could ask. I mean, we limit ourselves so much, it's incredible. And when you think about the size, scope, and scale of the universe, that there's billions of galaxies, okay? Most minds can't even fathom how big the social media audience is of, you know, 6.4 billion people. You can't even fathom that. But imagine the size of our galaxy and think about what it's like to have billions of galaxies. So when you understand that there's a greater source, a higher power of light, love, and lessons, and you're asking for, you know, a Ferrari, you must be asking for a crumb, like a crumb. You're asking to make over, the, you know, over a billion dollars. That's a crumb to, to the highest sour. Like there's a supernatural, supernatural force that you can ask. And what I strive every day is to have the confidence and the clarity and the balance and the focus to ask big enough. I've been asking for crumbs my entire life. People say to me, oh my gosh, you're gonna empower over a billion people. What a big ask. No, it's a crumb when there's billions of galaxies. It's a crumb to have a mission to empower over a billion people to be happy, to make more money, help more people, and have more fun. It's a crumb. Stop asking for the crumbs 
And I think by finding the people that have the pie, you can ask for the pie. Have and find the people who own the bakery, you can ask for the bakery. Because the fastest way to get to where you want to be, Mike, is to find someone that's already there and ask them for directions. Uh, this is Dave Meltzer, and I'm ready for the next question. Incredible, Dave. Uh, stop asking for the crumbs. What a great lesson we just learned right there. Thank you so much. Okay, we've got Lauren from Instagram. Uh, she's got a question on the activity that you get paid for. The question is, how can I get paid to make introductions uh, that I make? I love that. I think I've lost millions. And if we aggregated everybody here on Clubhouse, we all have lost millions because we have not codified a referral agreement. Uh, I call it an overlap agreement and I have a template for everyone. So you can, everyone out there, reach out to me, David at dmeltzer.com. I'll give you my template. Uh, I codify all opportunities to refer, build business or finder speaks because I want to create a value both ways, create a flow of value both ways for relationships of mine and benefit to mutual parties within the context of that relationship. I had spent years, sometimes multi-million dollar deals that I helped not only make the introductions, but facilitate. And I didn't have an agreement in place. And then I felt guilty asking for something, even asking for crumbs. And so I've created this template, an overlap agreement, a finder's fee agreement, a referral agreement, whatever you want to call it. And what it does is it codifies the value that I bring and the responsibility that I promise. Uh, and so when people ask me, well, you don't trust me? No, no, I trust you. I just have so many different people that I interact with, create the flow of the currency of money with that I want to one, remember your deal so I can, during the overlap of my daily activities, monetize it for both of us and also remember what I promised to do. And of course, then we have clarity on what you promised to do as well so we can effectuate and execute on the abundance that we created together. And so for me, think about it right now, how much money in your life, how much abundance in your life has been interfered with because you didn't codify an overlap referral or finder's fee agreement in order to effectuate and execute all of the different flow of that currency in order to mutually benefit all parties involved because either you didn't remember the deal, you didn't remember the person, you didn't remember what your responsibility are, and two, you were too afraid to ask for the crumbs. Uh, so go ahead, if you want that template, reach out to me, david at dmelter.com. I'll give you my overlap agreement in Word so you can modify it, put your logo on it, do whatever you want with it. Uh, but I am encouraging everyone to codify those relationships so that you can create more abundance for everyone. Thank you, David. Lauren from Instagram, I hope that answered your question. Okay, uh, we're gonna be coming to Clubhouse right after this uh, question. Christina Alexandro will be asking the question on Clubhouse, but let's first start with a question here on the online training. Uh, Aaron asked, what is the best way in 2021 to cold contact someone? Is it through email, through a phone call, through LinkedIn? <laughs> Please let me know. Well, first of all, there's a couple aspects that I wanna help people with when it comes to cold calling. Number one, there is no specific avatar. You are the specific avatar. So instead of looking for a certain demographic of a person that's the lowest hanging fruit, I've wasted so much time doing that. All we wanna do is find ourselves, our own avatar of who we are and the value that we provide. And then what we wanna do is find open mind, open hearts and open hands and determine three things. One, do they have open mind, open hearts and open hands? And then two, if they do, are they a sponsor? Meaning that they know someone that can help us. Or three, 
Not only do they know someone that can help us, but they can help us themselves. So I call those people sponsors and power sponsors. But you will save yourself so much time, emotion, and money by determining if someone has an open mind or a closed mind first, determined upon the avatar that you are, not the avatar that you're looking for. And then moreover, when you find out someone has a closed mind, use a three no rule to determine if they have the closed mind and then let them know that, hey, obviously you're not ready. It's not the right time, emotion or, or value in order to move forward. So I'm gonna pay attention to those people that do have open mind, open hearts and open hands. Call me if you are interested. You have saved yourself so much time, emotion and value in just creating the three no rule to the closed minded people because it takes a thousand times the energy to re-engineer a vision of someone who has a closed mind, even if they're the exact avatar of who you're looking for compared to one open mind. A thousand times. Imagine the productivity, the quantitative difference in your life when you're determining cold calling people and determining whether they have an open mind or a closed mind first, not if they're a specific avatar. And then beyond that, how we should be cold calling is in a natural organic way in person, on the phone, via email and media, traditional media, radio, print TV, and social media. And if you're asking every single day, considering that people have an average of a thousand followers each, on average, everyone now has a community of a thousand. You see, when I'm old, so when I was young, I was lucky when I asked for help, if I did, which was very rarely, because my mom only knew her Maj game, her card game. My dad only had his golf group or a church group or whatever else he was involved with. I was limited to about four to 10 people that my network could provide if I asked them for help. Today, open minds have an average of a thousand people in their network. So if you're just asking one time a day in person on the phone via email or media, traditional or digital media, if you're asking just one time a day, that's 30,000 people on average a month. 30,000 people a month are in the network of open-mindedness, open-heartedness, and open-handedness in order to effectuate the ask that you have, do you know anyone that could help me? And of course, counteracting that, as I call the Ben Franklin advice, because he wrote a, a, a book in his autobiography, he said, best thing you can do is ask somebody for advice or for help because you become an investment of them. So if you're asking for help, if you're asking, do you know anyone that could help me? You become an investment of 30,000 people a month. Pretty soon the aggregation and the compound interest of that ask of that investment becomes exponential in its result. And so the last point, by the way, uh, that I focus in on all the time, is one of the skill sets that you need to practice is you need to practice getting people to call you back. 80% of the people that we ask never get back to us. 80%. Imagine if you can increase that by 10%. Imagine what would happen in the statistical success in what you're doing, even if you're not getting better, which you will if you practice, because that's the way the conscious continuum works with practice, is we only get better. And so imagine what happens when we're asking in that rate and becoming better of what we do to get people to call us back. So if you're not practicing getting people to call you back, email you back, DM you back, understanding what compels them to do so in an organic value conversation, you're making a big mistake. One of the biggest things I'll help right now is people don't realize that when you leave a message, 
The only purpose of leaving a message, unless it's your mother-in-law, is to get them to call you back. It's not to sell them, to tell a story, to convince them, to engineer a vision. How many of you have gotten messages that are selling you and, and go, oh my God, I'm buying? No, usually you delete it immediately. Your only purpose of leaving a message is to get somebody to call you back. And you need to practice that, understanding how can I articulate the value and compel them to get back to me so I can have an opportunity to transition that interest into a shared vision where I can fully articulate the value of what I want in order to exceed what I'm asking for. These things are practice, they are pragmatic, they are systematic, and it only takes attention and intention to receive the coincidences you want with the cold calling that you do by asking a person on the phone via email or traditional or digital media. Thank you, that's a great question. Thank you, Aaron. Incredible question from the online training. Dave, great line you said, the only reason to leave a message is to have them call you back. Uh, super important. Unless it's your mother-in-law, then you try to leave a message so she doesn't call you back. <laughs> Unless it's your mother-in-law, in, uh, in parentheses. <laughs> All right. We've got uh, Christina Alexandra here on Clubhouse. If anyone wants to uh, ask a question here on Clubhouse, this is the BYOQ Friday training here on Clubhouse, uh, the Breakfast with Champions. Feel free to shoot me a back channel, and we'll be sure to bring you up to ask a question here to David. So we've got Christina. Christina, if you can please unmute yourself and feel free to ask your question. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Jake. Thank you. Good morning, Dave, and everyone else. Um, I have maybe sort of two questions in one. One, Dave, you've talked about this before, but how do you practice ending fear, especially when it comes to your business? There are times when business is going great. Sometimes it's not. So when it's not and you're doubting your business, how do you practice ending fear? And the second part of that is when people aren't getting back to you or they aren't calling back, um, how do you not let that get to you and not let that affect your self-confidence and self-esteem in the product you're offering? All right, let's deal with each of those separate. So one, how do I practice ending fear? That's the ability to apply the why. First, you have to understand that we have primal fears. The primal fears are the need to feed, fight, flee, or the other F word that my friend Gary Vee uses. Um, and so what we have to understand about the primal fears is that when we have triggered one of our primal fears that the biochemical reaction is that blood leaves our brain and goes into our body so we can fight and flee and feed right and the other f word if we can use uh the higher power of thinking in order to effectuate practicing ending fear practicing ending the interference between that which we're connected to in ourselves that we are healthy happy worthy and happy uh, healthy happy worthy and wealthy then if we're going to use our free will to clear that interference of fear we have to number one put ourselves back into a position to use our higher power of thinking in other words put the blood back into our brains and so in order to put the blood back into your brain, you have to one, identify what's triggering the primal fears. And so there's a list that I've codified for myself and I keep on focusing and to be aware of when those come into my life. I mentioned one of them earlier, the need to be offended, the need to be right, the need to be separate, the need to be inferior, the need to be superior, the need to be anxious, frustrated, angry, worried. You know, I love my friend Sharon Lecter who always says, worrying is wishing for what you don't want. Uh, the resentful, guilty. All of these needs create interference. They create resistance between you and what you already are. This abundant more than enough. Limitlessness, infinity. 
It limits you. It puts that interference there. So number one, identify it. And then instead of resisting it, going over it, under it, through it, be round it, underneath it, lie to it, manipulate it, cheat it, oversell it, back end sell it, simply just stop. Don't waste the effort. Stop when you identify that your blood is leaving your brain. Stop when you feel that your emotions and, and blood pressure are rising and the interference is being built. Stop. Breathe through the nose, out through the mouth, which I call drop, right? Drop down to your higher self, put the blood back into your brain, get into neutral to a baseline of a higher frequency, and then roll in the right trajectory of your what, your who, your how, the now, so you can apply the why. Clearing the interference between you and what you want, you and what already exists, clear that interference by stopping, dropping, and rolling. The way that I think about it is I've always been taught that if you are on fire, you stop, drop, and roll. Well, when you're in ego-based consciousness, when you are in fear, your mind, your body, and your soul are on fire. So you need to stop, drop, and roll. And it's that simple. Now, the second question that you ask, on that, so that's how you practice ending fear. The second question that you asked that I now forgot, if you could repeat it, uh, sure. then I'll answer it. <laughs> sure. Um, by the way, thank you for that. So so just to, to, to rephrase, you identify which need is triggering that, and then you breathe like the need to feel inferior or superior. Um, and then you breathe uh, in through the nose, out through the mouth. What was the second thing? The, so the, the second thing was, the first thing is stop. So instead of resisting or fighting, stop. Then breathe is the second thing, through the nose, out through the mouth. And then the third thing is to remember, recollect, remind the trajectory that you set forth in your daily practices is as the blood comes back in your brain from breathing, now you can think to yourself, all I'm going to do is waste my time, emotion, energy, and relationship by resisting or by fighting this. What I want to do is move in the trajectory that I set forth at the beginning of the day of my what, what, who, how, and now. I'm now going to apply my why, my desire that I must be what I can be in the right trajectory, not accelerate in the wrong trajectory, which fear forces us to do. Thank you so much. And, and let me thank you for your time and thank you for that. Hope it's helpful to folks in the room. Um, the second question was, what do you do when... Um, your business is, you know, you're, you're pitching, you're developing, you're at, you're adding value, but people are just not responding and it's yeah. starting to get to you and affecting your um, confidence in what you're doing. Two issues there. One is that if you have any deal affecting because they're not returning a call, you don't have enough deals in the pipeline. You should be overloaded with opportunities so that you feel confident, clear, and balanced and focused in walking away from anyone that's non-responsive three times. So for me, non-response is a no. Me forgetting the call is a no. Me getting a flat tire and missing a meeting is a no. Or them getting a flat tire and missing a flight is a no. I have a universal sense of no. And I can confidently do so because I create a pipeline by asking in person on the phone via email and media so many times all day long, knowing how big the universe is. And I'm asking for as much as I can, knowing I'm still limited by my own conscious beliefs of size, scope, and scale. But I'm asking so big that... If someone, for any reason, does not respond three times, on the third time they don't respond, I just leave a message stating, hey, it's obviously not the right time, emotion, or value. I would love to do business with you, but I have to be attentive to those that do and can at this time. 
please call me back if you're interested. If not, let me know when you are. 50% of the time, and now remember when I give you guys statistics, that my favorite statistic beyond 100% of the things that you do now get done is 99% of all statistics are made up. So about 50% of the time, when somebody does not get back to me, I mean, when I leave that message about I'm going to be moving on, 50% of the time, the people get back to me. That means I've only achieved one thing, that I've accelerated the sales cycle. And it has a little bit of value to accelerate the sales cycle, but that person eventually would have been doing business with me. It's just been accelerated by the technique that I've utilized. Now, beyond the acceleration where the real value lies is 50% of the time or so, they never get back to me. God bless because I just saved so much time, emotion, and value because I know they have a closed mind and it takes a thousand times the energy to create a vision or re-engineer a vision of someone with a closed mind compared to someone that has an open mind. And so I utilize that three no rule, uh, which I can send to everyone. Just go to my, contact me. I got these templates are for everybody, but go ahead and utilize that technique, the universal technique of what a no is, non-response, circumstantial, or an actual, you know, I'll call you back later. Those are all no's. And on the third one, let them know you're moving on. 50% of the time, you'll accelerate the sales cycle. 50% of the time, you're blessed with a quantitative value of you'll never talk to them again. Thank you. Let me just re reiterate, if you don't mind. So the, the follow-up, that was, that was fantastic because I would love to do business with you, but it doesn't seem like this is the right time. Uh, what was the second part of that? If I'm time, I, I usually say time, value, or emotion, right? So because the three reasons are always prioritized, uh, meaning that when someone doesn't do something that you want them to do, it's because they have something better to do. And the reason that they have someone better to do is it either is a time issue, a value issue, or an emotional issue. And so when you articulate and transcend those three directives towards someone and, and illuminate the fact that, look, either this isn't the right time, you know, emotionally, you, you know, you're overwhelmed, you know, COVID's hit or whatever, or I haven't articulated the value to exceed what I'm asking for, I'm, I understand, right? And so therefore, because I haven't met the threshold of time, emotion, or value, uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on to people that have or do in other words, have open mind, open hearts, and open hands at this time, value, and emotion. And if I'm mistaken, then call me back when you're ready, when it is the right time or the right emotion or the right value. Uh, and if not, I'll never hear from you again, which is a great thing in the quantitative sense that I'm not wasting my own time, emotion, and value on a closed mind. Okay, thank you. So you would actually, last, last thing to clarify, because this has been really helpful and hope for others in the room too, you would actually put in the email, if it is an email, because it may not be the right time or I haven't articulated the value. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very transparent of, hey, there's either time, emotionally this may not be good, or I haven't been able to, to quantifiably articulate the value to succeed, exceed what I'm asking for. Understandably, I'm gonna move on to people who I have. And if I'm mistaken, call me back when it is the right time and emotionally or the value. And if not, you know, God bless you, or, you know, I pray for your happiness or just leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Christina. Amazing. All right, Dave, we've got a question here from Instagram. Uh, it's from Sam. She says, can you explain the AAA strategy and do you have a worksheet for it? 
<laughs> yes, I have a worksheet for everything. So if there's something that you have, these are all things that I have codified so that I can help people with. The AAA strategy is actually from my book, uh, which I send for free to everyone. So if you want an ebook, audiobook, a signed copy of my book, paid for and shipped by me to you and paid for, not a problem. David at dmeltzer.com or in my bio, just contact me. I'm happy. AAA strategy is what I use in life. It stems from the idea that you need to be more interested than interesting. So the AAA strategy says you need to get alignment first. The first A is alignment. 80% of my time is spent getting alignment. 80% of my time is being more interested than interesting. And so beyond the first of getting alignment of what I want, who can help me, who I can help, and how it's going to get done, I then take action. But part of the action that I take is to prepare for adjustment. You see, I work within the context of three laws. The law of gravity states I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at the right place at the perfect time, which is why the first A is so important because I'm gonna align where I am with what I want. Two, the law of Goya, get off your ass. John Asseroff taught me this years ago when I was preaching the law of attraction. And he said, ah, you're forgetting the most important part. We live in this world, brother. The law of Goya, you gotta get off your ass. You can't sit at home high, sick, broke on your mom's couch, dreaming about the Ferrari. You gotta take action. And part of that action is to prepare for adjustment, which requires faith. See, faith is the second currency in my life, money being the first, an object of energy that I put into the flow to get what I want, and faith the second, an object of energy that I put into the flow to get what I want. So when I have the law of gravity combined with the law of Goya, I now can have the law of allowance, the law of attraction, reliant upon faith because the law of gravity says I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be at the right place at the perfect time. I need to align my actions with the law of Goya and then have faith that I'm going to end up somewhere better when pain, mistakes, setbacks, failures occur. I know that that's an indicator and a propeller, not a stop sign and a punishment. And so pain, mistakes, failures, and setbacks are a turn signal to something better, a better situation or make my situation better, not a stop sign or a punishment to make me a victim in the world of not enough where everything happens to me. See, I live in the world of big. I live in the world of supernatural. I live in a billion galaxies. And in the billion galaxy world, I live between limitlessness and infinity. And so I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I'm angling towards where I want with the desire that I must be what I can be, giving everything I have in consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential, not what other people want, not what's missing, not what I don't want, but what I want in order to effectuate faith. Faith in the billion galaxies that I exist in, faith that I'll end up somewhere better in a better situation if I follow these laws. Through the AAA strategy of alignment, action, and adjustment. And pain, setbacks, failures, and mistakes are the indicators for the propeller and the adjustment that's necessary to get to the better place, the better position. Incredible. Thank you, Dave. The triple A's, it's alignment, action, and adjustment. Uh, as Dave mentioned, pain, mistakes, failures, and set setbacks, they're all turn signals. So thank you again for everyone for joining. I'm just going to quickly reset the room. We're here at the BYOQ. Bring your own questions here with David Meltzer on the Breakfast with Champions, the 6 a.m. Pacific Time edition. Uh, we're, we're taking questions from uh, Dave's online training that he's been doing for over 20 years. Of course, here on Clubhouse, Instagram, LinkedIn, all over. So really, thank you, everybody, for joining and asking incredible questions. 
We've got uh, Reverend Max here on Clubhouse. Uh, Reverend, if you can please unmute yourself and feel free to ask your question. Welcome to the Clubhouse. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate you. Hello, beautiful souls. Um, it was it was uh, quite the incredible pleasure to see so many people in person and to be able to connect with so many people. It was truly a magical event yesterday that me and Mike got to, to make an appearance at, and um, I'm just incredibly thankful for that. Um, it was it really was a special experience, and and um, all, all thanks to, to Mr. Meltzer. Um, because of uh, Meltzer, obviously, uh, Mike Mamola and, and David Moreno are two great friends of mine who I got connected um, connected to uh, that opportunity with. And um, I really can't. Uh, their words aren't, aren't, aren't adequate enough. Um, but my question is, uh, Mr. Meltzer, um, how do you uh, distinguish and align with people who resonate with you? Um, a, a lot of people, you know, are, are blocked from their intuition, maybe don't tap into it when connecting with people. Um, in relationships, business-wise, um, et cetera. So, so how do you effectively connect and align with people who um, you know that are right for you? Thank you. Oh, perfect. Well, you can't find outside of us, including in relationships, what we don't see inside of us. And we also give meaning to everything that we see. And so when we get confident and clear and balanced and focused in who we are, then that allows our frequency to strengthen, our spectrum to broaden, and the clarity of our message to resonate with more and more people. See, remember, it's not what you say, it's what people hear. And most of the things, if not all the things I say, are said every day by different people, even here just on Clubhouse or on IG or LinkedIn uh, or on my webinar. It's said by so many people, but it may not resonate with everyone. Because the frequency of awareness dictates that you can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than you. And if the vibration or frequency of the content and the help and the blessings that we give each other are not within the context of your tuning, just like a radio, if you're not on 105.3, you know, you're not going to hear Dave Meltzer if he's not transmitting at 105.3. And so the simulcast that I tried to do by broadening my spectrum and frequency to reach as many channels as I can, uh, that will allow me to connect to and through all the different people. But I think the biggest thing to look at and be aware of is that you don't resonate with everyone, right? Because the biggest problem that we have is when people don't like us. And so what happens is we start becoming uh, frequent less because we start becoming chameleons and we start being pleasers and we start putting our focus and energy in the wrong things to try to please everyone. And pretty soon we become middle of the road and nobody loves us and nobody hates us. See, when you have a strong frequency, you're gonna resonate with a lot of people and they're gonna love you. But if you do that, you have to be aware that some people are not gonna resonate with you and what you say is going to turn them off or make them feel uncomfortable. And they don't like that irritation. They don't like that interference. And so you got to lean into who you are, give meaning to what you see and say, and be okay with the fact that your frequency is not tuned in by everyone. And also those who do tune in, it may not be acceptable to them. You know, Howard Stern, who whether you love him or hate him, you're in 90% of the people that know him, which I love, right? People that love Howard Stern, they would say, yeah, I tune into Howard Stern because I can't wait to hear what he has to say next. And the people who hate him, they say, yeah, I tune into Howard Stern because I can't wait to hear what he has to say next. 
Either way, you're planting seeds under trees that you may never sit under, but it's so important to know and focus in on your own frequency, strengthening your frequency, broadening your spectrum of people that you will reach to love and hate, and clarifying your message, knowing that it's not what you say, it's what they hear, and it takes a repetitive amount of times even for people, one, to become aware of you, and two, to hear you. So everybody, look within yourself, start strengthening that signal by having clarity, balance, and focus, and confidence in who you are and what you want to say, and you will find that that spectrum will broaden, your frequency will strengthen, and the clarity of your message will become greater and greater. Thank you so much for the compliments. Thank you so much for supporting all of my friends, especially yesterday, and bless you and everyone else. This is a, a great frequency to be on here on Clubhouse. Uh, Jake, why don't you reset the room real quick, get people to support one another, follow each other, invite each other, whatever they need to do. Sure, Will. Thank you for that question, Reverend Max. All right, we're here at the 6 a.m. Pacific Time edition of the Breakfast with Champions. Of course, hosted by Glenn Lundy. I think we can all agree this is the best room here on Clubhouse. Uh, this is the 6 a.m. Pacific Time edition with David Meltzer. Uh, as Dave mentioned, everyone, we're really trying to create an amazing community here. So take a quick second, follow the people next to you, follow the people on stage. Let's really create an amazing, uh, incredible champion community that everyone can help each other, support, and uh, all be there for each other. So that's really the goal of everything that, that we do. So welcome to the community. Welcome to the clubhouse. And uh, let's continue on the BYOQ. And then, of course, if you'd like to invite everyone, feel free to use that plus bar at the bottom. Um, all right, Dave, we've got a question here from the online training from Caitlin. The question is, what is a go, no go plan? Can you please explain that? Yeah, dude, this is a sales specific question. Uh, and a lot of people think they've failed to close a deal when someone's given them a verbal or even written commitment to move forward. Uh, the only failure that has occurred is to manage those expectations through what I call a go, no go plan. So part of the process of sharing a vision is to create a plan of each of the steps and each of the steps would require a yes or a no, a go or a no go. And what it does, it allows one to lower the bar and create baby steps between you and your ultimate objective, but it also keeps the AAA strategy alive within the context of a sale. Uh, not that many people utilize a go, no go plan, but it's been a godsend to the statistical success of me and the people that I've taught in order to effectuate a shared vision and to actually close deals, execute and thrive. Meaning when you use a go, no go plan, you're selling through people, not to them. You're investing in them and providing each step of the way in alignment, security and clarity that you are providing the value that you've articulated. That value of course is the value to exceed what you were asking for. And by using a go, no go plan, each step of the way, not only will you increase your statistical success, accelerate the time that it takes in order to effectuate the value, but it is selling through someone so that they themselves are equipped to refer business to you or to empower others, to empower others with the shared vision that you have to compel and stimulate interest for you for free. And so if you want to exponentially grow and accelerate your business, utilize a go, no go plan to increase the statistical success, create efficiencies 
and effectiveness in what you do to not only be able to articulate values, stimulate transition and share a vision, but compel people in order to effectuate selling through them to provide value to others. And it's a very simple document. Once again, I can send it to you. Just reach out to me in order. Sometimes it has three steps. Uh, you know, I've done big enterprise opportunities, multi-million, even billion dollar opportunities that have a full scoping of a go, no go plan that is created to make sure that we stay aligned, taking appropriate aligned action, but also preparing for adjustment and lowering the bar in the decision-making fatigue that occurs in opportunities to allow people to make these baby decisions that lead to the final milestone that we're looking for. Thank you, David. Uh, if you want to exponentially grow your business, as Dave mentioned, use a go, no-go plan. Uh, so yeah, next up, we've got a question here on Clubhouse. Kate Volman. Kate, if you can please unmute yourself and welcome to the club. Hey, thanks, Jake. Always fun being here. Loving this conversation. David, um, my team and I are always working on creating a better sales process. So I really appreciate so many of the, of the questions being around sales. What do you feel is the big, or what do you see is the biggest mistake that most professionals make in their sales process? They spend <laughs> too much time on the 80% of the people that bleed them. See, 80% of your profit comes from 20% of the pipeline. And because of the way human nature works because of those squeaky wheel syndrome that most people in an organization, let alone salespeople, are focused in putting their attention and resources on the wrong people. And we do the same thing in our life, right? We're so, you know, insecure that we want to be pleasers or we want to be accepted by the people that don't like us. We spend so much time trying to re-engineer those closed minds and re-engineer the people that are bleeding us. See, when you shift the paradigm in your business to feed internally the employees that feed you and externally the customers that feed you and the pipeline that, pipeline that feeds you, you will see exponential results and engagement internally and externally, engagement of your employees as well as engagement of your consumers or clients because you're paying attention to the people, you're feeding the people that feed us. The extraordinary interesting thing about the human nature aspect is that people who do the most for us are the easiest to please, so we don't pay attention or lean in and give resources to those best clients and best employees. We're always paying attention to the bad kid. Well, that's why they're the bad kid. And what we want to do is make sure that we shift that perspective. We train people to feed those that feed us, allow people that don't feed us to fall away. And if somebody bleeds us, fire them, fire them internally, fire them externally, fire them personally, fire them professionally. When you resolve the 80% of your attention and intentions from the coincidences you don't want into coincidences that you do, you will see that quantitative result, especially in sales. Does that sound fair? That sounds fair, David. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. All right, Dave, you've got a question here on Instagram. Uh, we've got, and next up on Clubhouse, uh, Craig Siegel, please prepare your question. We've got Mark from Instagram. He says, what are the rules of Sanskrit? Can you please explain Sanskrit? Yeah, I talked about this. Uh, probably the, the most amount of requests I had were the lessons of life. And uh, there's 12 lessons of life uh, that I am amazed were written before writing. Uh, and they're so applicable. They include things like you are given a body. You are here to learn lessons. 
The lessons will keep coming until you learn them. You'll forget every lesson that you ever learned, but you have the power to access those lessons at any time. There's no better here than there is there, there than here. All of these different lessons were written before writing itself. 12 lessons of life, which I can share with you. Sanskrit is S-A-N-S-K-R-I-T. So previous to any actual type of written communication, 12 lessons were given in life that are more applicable today than I think were applicable thousands and thousands of years ago. Uh, and these lessons basically are the impetus or the seed in which I learned the law of gravity, the law of Goya, and the law of allowance and attraction, the ability to be happy where you're at, to be at the right place at the perfect time, to angle to what you want with consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, with the desire that you must be what you can be, to utilize pain, mistakes, and failures and setbacks as a turn signal, as a propeller to something better by having faith, the ultimate currency, that you will be in a better place, a better situation, because I can't think big enough or ask big enough to even understand what a billion galaxies is like and what the possibilities, probabilities of my perspective should be in this unbelievably, unfathomably humongous universe that we live in. But yet we're gonna limit ourselves to crumbs. So uh, utilize that and uh, reach out to me if you want those uh, lessons of life. I'll be happy to send those as well. Thank you, Mark. I hope that answered your question on Instagram. All right, we've got the one and only Craig Siegel. Craig, welcome to the clubhouse. What's your question? Thank you, gentlemen. First of all, Big Bad Dave Meltzer, the articulate alligator, the spiritual starfish. You're always on fire, but today specifically, crushing it. I love the gems. Want to say what up to Glenn? It's good to have you in the Big Apple. My question for you, Big Dave, today is as follows. I think everyone can agree one of the most important traits of the greats is persistence. But something that gets overlooked a little bit sometimes can be resilience. What's a tool somebody can cultivate to work on the resilience and build on it? Humility. So, uh, you know, within the context of resilience and persistence comes a practice of consistency. And the human nature is counterintuitive to consistent behavior. And the reason is, is that consistency works in negative behavior's favor, not positive behaviors favor. See, consistency is a difficult nuance of the human nature because negative behavior, we don't expect a result to. So in other words, it's easy to be consistent with eating the wrong things, not going to the gym, you know, because we don't see results of behavior until we're 90% of the way to the result. And because we're not aware before that, when we're doing negative things, you know, drinking, for example, the aggregate effect, it's almost too late when we find out that we have a drinking problem or a drug problem or a workout problem or an eating problem, what I call interference problems. See, positive behavior that creates resilience and persistent behavior has the same issue except for one thing. The expectations are different. You see, when we're doing something negative, we don't think it's going to ever affect us. But when we are doing something positive, when we're doing something positive, we want it to immediately affect us. And so we actually create resistance with the attachment of the emotion to the immediacy of our expectation. But positive behavior takes time the same way that negative behavior does. So it takes 90% of the effort in order to get to 25% of the result. 
It only takes 5% more of the effort to get to 50, only 5% more to get to 100, only 5% more to get to 200. That's without acceleration. If we have acceleration, not only will it exponentially grow and compound on itself, but it will even happen faster. So when you realize that persistence and resilience is based off of consistent behavior and consistent behavior works in negative behaviors favor, not positive behaviors favor, that awareness should allow you to effectuate the five daily practices of just knowing what you want personally, experientially, giving wise, receiving wise, who can help you and who you can help how you're gonna get it done, whether it be being a student in your calendar or at least understanding productivity, accessibility, and gratitude, activity you get paid for, activity you don't get paid for, activity you have planned, activity you don't have planned, and especially sleep. And then uh, knowing you're now, because you have already articulated to yourself the what, the who, and the how, now you can determine what's a priority in your life. Once you have non-negotiable priorities in your life, like a minimum amount of hours spent on your health, a minimum amount of hours spent with your family, a minimum amount of hours spent on coincidences, meaning utilizing the mathematical equation of luck, what you're going to pay attention to that day, what you're going to give intention to that day to create the coincidences of that day that you want a statistical success that combines efficiency and effectiveness, then you can what? Apply your why. And that why creates the resilience when things don't go as planned. That why creates the consistent behavior when you don't feel like it or you forget it. That why, when you learn to apply your why, not seek your why, Man, your life will change because what you're doing is creating and utilizing your free will to clear the interference between you and this unbelievable source of power, light, and lessons that created billions of galaxies and that allows you to start expanding and growing. Most importantly, allowing life to come through you. Life is longing for itself. Every moment it's recreating you. And it's longing for yourself, allow it to long for itself to expand and grow and accelerate towards what you want and adjust to something better when the universe teaches us that's okay that you want that, but there's something better for you. Trust me, billions of galaxies say so. Live between limitlessness and infinity. Stop asking for crumbs. Stop looking for ego-based things that you don't need to impress people you don't like. Live in my world of abundance, of more than enough of everything and everyone, and you will have the desire that you must be what you can be. You will see pain as a propeller, not a punishment. You will not quit, resilient, persistent and consistent in the positive behaviors, not the negative ones. My goodness, your energy is infectious today. Love that, and I love you, and I'll see you tomorrow morning with the Paradigm Shift. You got it. Everybody catch Paradigm Shift with Craig Siegel. It's a lot of fun on Saturday mornings around uh, 7.30 a.m. Pacific time. Thanks, brother. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Craig. There is really nothing like the Paradigm Shift. Hope everyone uh, has a chance to hop on that. All right, Dave, we've got seven minutes left. Uh, just a quick reminder for everyone to live between limitlessness and infinity. Uh, incredible line. Thank you so much. All right, Dave, we've got a question here uh, on the online training. It's from Miney. The question is, uh, what are your top three advice to those transitioning as an employee of 30 years to now entering the entrepreneur world? Yeah, so there's three pieces of advice that I give. And I do have a careers group. If anyone's interested, just reach out to me. Uh, we have a great networking and support group that meets once a week. Uh, we'd love to have people. Here's the three things in transitioning. And I've, I've uh, 
been blessed to help uh, transition uh, athletes and, and uh, professionals into entrepreneurship. Um, number one, know that you have control of your mindset. So when we know that we have control of our mindset in transitioning, that we know that we have control of everything that we see, that we have control of the meaning of what we see, because the biggest detriment and resistance that we have in transitioning is what other people think, what's missing and what we don't want. So many triggers for fear. And so we need to remind ourselves that we have control of our mindset, that we give meaning to everything we see. Two, we have control of our heart set. So when you don't feel confident, clear and balanced and focused on what you want, you have to remind, remember and recollect, draw together, separate from the interference that's created by the fear that you feel scared and know that you have control of the way you feel and that you're gonna use the stop, drop and roll methodology in order to feel good, to clear the interference so that you can accelerate, grow and expand and allow the transition to occur rapidly and accurately. You have number one tip, control of your mindset. Number two, control of your heart set. And then three, you have control of the conscious continuum, which means that within you, that you have already ascertained skills, knowledge of not only what, but who, and desire, right? You built the skills, the knowledge, the desire. These are your capabilities. And now what you want to do is set apart yourself from identifying or categorizing yourself as a lawyer or a doctor or as a dentist or as whatever moniker you want or have been given and say to yourself, I'm an aggregate. I encompass the skills, the knowledge and the desire. Let me find out what's doing well today and see how my skills, knowledge and desire, my capabilities are synergistic, supplementary or aligned with what's doing well. And then do another analysis of taking that same capabilities that exist within you because of the multiple experiences that other people have defined you by. We are defined by what we do in a title that we keep. But instead, you're looking within at these capabilities, skills, knowledge, and desires, and see how they are aligned with, supplementary to or synergistic with what's stable today. And then finally, do the same exact anal analysis of those capabilities skills, knowledge, and desire that are aligned with supplementary and synergistic to what you think is going to be doing well in the future. Now, the obvious next question is, how do I know what's doing well, what's stable, and what's going to be doing well? Well, I actually use the stock market. So what I do is look to see what stocks in what industry, careers, or jobs are related to those uh, stocks that are doing extremely well today. And then I look and see what stocks haven't moved in the last three, six, nine years. And I see, once again, what careers, jobs, skills, knowledge, and desire are aligned with those. And then looking at what's going to be doing well are usually things that either have been oversold or exist in some sort of venture capital, angel investment type of opportunity. And I go ahead, if that's the type of lottery ticket, understanding my own timing and risk tolerance I want to take, I can find those companies as well on the pink sheets, on the venture capital list, on integrators, accelerators, et cetera. If you look within the mindset, the hard set and the conscious continuum, aligning what's supplementary and synergistic to what's doing well, stable, what's going to do well, the transition not only will be easy, painless, but also will provide 
profit, passion, and purpose in your life to finally learn to love what you do. Thank you so much, Jakey Bakey. I think we have time for one quick question. You want to read it off? Yes, uh, we've got two minutes. All right, Dave, the last question we got, uh, it's from Instagram, and it's pretty basic. It's, what is one lesson that you want to teach the world? I know your mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy, but what mission do you have, and how can we learn uh, how, to, how to implement it into our life? Yeah, the one lesson simple. If I could teach one lesson, it's kindness. Underrated, overlooked, kindness. And I tell people all the time, it's very simple what I do each morning is I am kind to my future self. Whenever I feel that there's interference between me and everything that I am, healthy, happy, wealthy, and worthy, I go to kindness. I do good deeds. See, logic will never overcome a negative feeling or a negative energy. You can sit there all day and say, don't worry, don't worry. It will, don't, let it go, let it go. I can't tell you how many hours, months, years, weeks I've wasted. Don't worry, let it go. All those different things, trying to out logic, out intellect the way I feel. But action is the way that we change the way that we feel. And the action that I want you to take is kindness. Do good deeds, be kind to your future self. Do good deeds when you don't feel good, when you feel anxious, worried, frustrated, angry, resentful, guilty, separate, inferior, superior, right, offended, go do a good deed. As simple as walking outside, picking up trash, smiling to people, waving at them, hugging them, helping them across the street, or volunteering to do something, do good deeds. If you do good deeds, the kindness will emanate and emulate through you for and through others. It will empower others to empower others to be happy, which is my mission to find a thousand people from here today on Clubhouse IG, the webinar with over 50,000 people registered. We should be able over these years to find a thousand people, to empower a thousand people, to empower a thousand people simply to be happy, to make more money, help more people and have more fun. A thousand times a thousands, a million, a million times a thousands, a billion. Let's create a collective consciousness of happiness. One little particle of dark overcomes a million particles of, sorry, one little particle of light overcomes a million particles of darkness be that particle live in a billion galaxies with me help me empower to empower to empower over a billion people to create a collective consciousness of happiness well it's 7 a.m jake that's all i got for today i appreciate everyone every friday at 6 a.m pacific time to join me on clubhouse we do an integrated byoq once a month Hopefully you enjoy it as much as I do and bring as much value to you as you have brought to me. If not, join me every Friday for trainings, every Friday, usually at 11 a.m. or so. I've been doing them for over 20, 21 years. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode in any way or found any value, screenshot it, share it, however you like. My only ask is you help me empower others to empower others to be happy.